we're glad that you are with us. This morning what we're doing is we are launching a new three-part series called The Enemy's Toolkit. And so we're looking at uh, some of the go-to weapons that the devil uses. And specifically, over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about how he uses deception, how he uses shame, and how he uses fear to keep Christ followers from living as victors, from living as overcomers. And I think that's one of the things, you know, the devil doesn't necessarily have to, like, destroy you and run your life into the ground. He basically has to keep you from living as Christ intended you to live. Living, you know, God has made us victorious, has made us overcomers. And many times we, uh, we just don't see the awesomeness that God has made us for, the awesomeness, that he, the way he has created us, the way he has called us to live is nothing short of incredible. And uh, the enemy likes to keep us going, no, you know, he, we, we don't live, we're not victors, we're not overcomers. I'm just a, I'm just a sinner getting by, right? Have anybody ever thought those thoughts? I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just a pimple on God's butt and I'm just happy to get by, squeak into heaven, whatever. But God, you know, has created us to be overcomers, to be more than conquerors. And so this morning, I wanted to kind of start with a story that um, I may regret. I may regret telling the story if my mom happens to be listening. And so, mom, if you're listening today, if you just happen to tune in, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I hope that you can forgive me, and I hope I don't regret telling the story. But uh, when I was a little kid growing up, my mom baked and cooked uh, often. And there was one thing that I loved that when she always, she always made chocolate chip cookies. It seemed like there was chocolate chip cookies in the house uh, a lot. And, um, and I loved chocolate chip cookies. I still love to make chocolate chip cookies, don't I, honey? Yeah. Oh, there's just something about when they're out of the oven. When they're 24 hours old, forget it, you can have them. But when they're out of the oven and they're, they're less than that, you know, they're, they're fresh. Oh, they're so good. And she would make chocolate chip cookies. And when I was little and she was making chocolate chip cookies, I would like to take a little dough. Does anybody like the dough? Yeah? I'm curious, does anybody here like the dough actually better than the finished product? Yeah, wow, yes. Even more people than raised their hands that said they ate the dough. So, yeah, uh, it's so, so good. And I would eat the dough, and I remember one day I took a little dough, and my mom was like, hey, you shouldn't eat that. It'll give you worms. And I was like, it will? Well, I, I didn't want to get wasn't even 100% sure what that meant. Uh, you know, intestinal worms, will there be worms in my poo like the dog? You know, I didn't, I didn't know, but my mom said, if I ate the dough, I would get worms. And so that was it. I stopped eating the dough. No dough. And she would make cookies, and I'd see that dough there, and I'd think, I want some of that dough, but it'll give me worms. So I better not eat the dough. So Ten or so years later, I'm a teenager. I'm sitting in the kitchen. My mom's making cookies. And I noticed she took a spoon, 
and she took some dough, and she's eating it. And I'm like, literally, I was like, what are you doing? You're going to get worms. I said it to her. What are you going to do? Don't eat that, Mom. You're going to get worms. And she just laughs, and she's, I'm like, what's so funny? She said, I just told you that so you wouldn't eat the dough. And so for 10 years, I lived under a lie, unable, unable to experience God's best for my life, the dough, because I was living under a deception that my mom told me that I would get worms if I ate the dough. It was a lie. I forgive you, mom. You know, I forgive you. I forgive you. But... You know, a lot of times the enemy loves to tell us lies that keep us from experiencing and living God's best. And maybe you've been there too before where you weren't living in God's best because you believed a lie, right? And so I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about the the enemy's tool, go-to tool of deception. But really quick, let's pray. God, I love you so much. And I praise you, and we thank you for your word. We ask God this morning that your word would come alive in us, that it would bring transformation, that it would bring healing, Lord, that it would bring freedom. God, we yield to your spirit and whatever you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, as as we start this out, I wanted to go back. You guys remember a couple weeks ago, we shared an interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees. And you see this a couple of times throughout the Gospels where Jesus and the Pharisees are kind of having this sort of back and forth. And 100% of the time it ended up with the Pharisees sort of like, wah, 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 you know. And so Jesus is having one of those interactions. And this time Jesus is teaching in the temple. And as he's teaching, he does something that you and I read and we just sort of might skim over it. But when this actually happened, it was massive. Like Jesus was dropping this massive bomb that any religious leader of the day would have freaked out over. Because what did he do is when Jesus is teaching in the temple during this time, he actually refers to himself as the light of the world. He's, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if we had somebody come here and speak who just came out and went, oh, and by the way, I'm God. I think pretty much all of us in here would go, what? You know, get out of here. Just drop some candy off at the counter and then get out, you know. And so uh, it's this bomb. He says, I'm the light of the world, and the Pharisees are firing back. And he's, Jesus, I'm the light of the world, and the Pharisees fire back. Nothing you, and basically they say to him, nothing you are saying is even worth listening to. You know, they're they're just basically you tell Jesus, you're, you're, you're full of it. You're not even worth listening to. You're just speaking blah, 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 blah. And Jesus, what he does is he exposes them right there in front of everybody. So Jesus, I'm the light of the world. The Pharisees go, no, you're not. You're a weirdo. You're a wacko. And Jesus fires back at them and basically says, you guys are horrible. You're horrible people. (laughs) I mean, you know, we're just going to boil it down into today's terms. He says to the Pharisees, you're just, you're horrible. And then he reveals their plans. He proves his godhood in that moment by going, you know what? In fact, I know that you guys are trying to kill me. 
And so the Pharisees are just exposed in that moment. And you say, you're horrible people. I know you're trying to kill me. It says in John chapter 8, verses 43 through 45, and Jesus is saying, why can't you understand what I'm saying? Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me, right? Have you ever said that to your kids before? <laughs> you can't even hear me. You're not even listening, right? So Jesus is having that moment. You can't even hear me. And then Jesus, like, cuts right to it. He's, and he says, he just, he doesn't mince words. He says, for you are children of your father, the devil. Whew, wow, right? And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. In fact, uh, in some translations, Jesus says, when he lies, he speaks his native language. Right? He's just speaking his native language. Uh, because there's no truth in him, he's consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Whew, wow. Those are some strong words. But Jesus is calling them out right there. And if you remember one thing this morning, I want you to remember this. The shackles of deceit are really hard to see, but God has given us the keys. You guys think that the, that the Pharisees at, one, at any moment were going, we're believing a lie. They didn't know they were, they were believing a lie, and they didn't know they were speaking a lie. And that's how insidious deception is. And when we are under a lie, it's incredibly difficult to see that lie. The shackles of deceit are very hard to see. And if, if, they were, if it were easy, you know, nobody would live under a lie, right? When I was a little kid, if I would have known I was being lied to in that moment, right, it would have been a different story altogether. But, you know, uh, I trusted my mom. I forgive you, mom. I, I, I trusted my mom, right? The shackles of deceit are very difficult to see. In fact, a lot of times we will, do, we will uh, believe a lie so strongly that we'll actually defend that lie, right? It's hard to see, but God has given us the, see, the key. I remember um, my dad had a toolbox, a big old snap-on toolbox when I was a kid. He didn't mess around when it came to tools. He, just, he went snap-on or go home, right? He had a big red snap-on toolbox filled with snap-on tools, and uh, he was a, actually he was a jet engine mechanic, and um, in the Air Force. And it really, growing up, it seemed like there was nothing he couldn't fix, like nothing. And if it was broken, he could fix it. He had a lot of tools, but there was one tool he always seemed to reach for the most. And how do you know? How how do you know that there's one tool that that a person reaches for the most, even if you never see them working on it. It's totally worn in, right? It's totally, it's, I mean, and he had, it was an eighth-inch adjustable wrench. And he loved, I don't know why, he loved his eighth-inch adjustable wrench. And when you picked up that adjustable wrench, and you all have probably picked up an adjustable wrench in your lifetime, and it has the little dial on it where you can adjust the size of the wrench, right? And, like, that dial was so worn in. It was so smooth. 
And even the outside of the ranch, you know, a lot of times you buy a ranch and it has a certain texture to it so you can hold on to it better. It was all smooth. Like that was his, his go-to tool. And you know what? Deceit is like that for the enemy. I mean, that's, that is just his go-to tool. In fact, the enemy is so good at deceit, so good at it, that it can be difficult to convince someone of an obvious truth once they've been deceived. It can be so difficult. Once they've been deceived, it's just like it's in there. It's in there. And you can present evidence to this person. You can show them how black is black and white is white and the sky is blue. But when they've been deceived, man, it is hard to convince them of the truth. And so in Genesis chapter 3, the devil, he deceives Eve with a question, right? Because he's good at it. The devil didn't come out and make a statement. The devil came out with a question. And he asked, did, you, did God really say not to eat the fruit? I mean, were those his exact words? Did God really say not to eat the fruit? And then what he does is he accuses God. He says, He's holding out on you. God is holding out on you. Wow. Does that sound familiar to anybody? God is holding out on you, right? Look how he's blessing those guys, but not you. Look how he's blessing that person, but not you. Look how he healed her, but not you. Look, you know, God is holding out on you is probably one of the greatest lies in biblical and human history. God's holding out on you. There's you know, and then we do all sorts of weird things in the church whenever we feel like God is holding out on us and we do things like, well, maybe I don't have faith or, well, you know, maybe my faith isn't big enough and stuff like that. And we begin to criticize ourselves and belittle ourselves and it must be our fault that God's holding out on us or God doesn't love me the way he loves somebody else. But God is holding out on you. And you know what? For the, the enemy's lies are so effective that there's actually a Greek word for it, and it's pronounced noema. And what that means, what a noema is, is it means a tailor-made lie. It's a lie that fits you perfectly. And uh, I remember uh, not too long ago, now that my uh, son, Hudson, we're almost the same size now. We're like, we're wearing the same size shoes, we're in the same, you know, same pants, same size pants, stuff like that, same size shirt. And every once in a while, uh, when, you know, uh, one of our other sons are putting away the laundry, uh, so at, at our house, the laundry comes out of the dryer, it goes into a basket, and one of our children will go and lay out the laundry. So they'll go, usually go up to our bed, we've got the biggest bed, and they'll take the laundry and they'll lay them out in piles based on whose clothes they are. So all of my clothes will go in one pile, all of Hudson's will go on another, clothes will go on another. And now that Hudson and I are the same size, sometimes his clothes get laid in my pile. And it'd be really, really easy for me to pick up and put on one of his shirts thinking it's mine, or put on one of his pairs of pants thinking that they're mine. And so the enemy loves to tell these lies that fit us so perfectly that they actually feel like the truth. They feel like our truth, right? And so uh, he gives us these tailor-made lies. They fit us perfectly. You know, this, this is the lie that says to the divorced woman, no good man will ever want you. Right? How does that lie feel? Kind of feels like it fits, right? It's the lie that says to the addict, you're never going to be free from this addiction. You're never going to be free. 
you're stuck. It's part of your identity now. Yeah? It's the lie that says to the lonely person, nobody really likes you. Nobody really likes you. Well, maybe that's why I'm so lonely. Maybe that's why I can't make any friends. It's the lie to the man who's caught in sin that says, you're damaged goods now. You're damaged goods. And now when God looks at you, he's disgusted. Yeah. It's these tailor-made lies that fit us so well that we're convinced that they're the truth. That's the kind of lies he tells. He's so good at it. The enemy is an expert at telling lies. And so many of our limiting beliefs that keep us from living as conquerors, from living in freedom, living in purpose, living in the power that God made us for, they are rooted in the enemy's crafty, expertly formed, tailor-made lies. So a lot of those beliefs, those limiting beliefs that, that we have that say that we're not, we're not going to succeed, well, you know, that, that story that we tell ourselves, they're rooted in the enemy's lies. But you know what? God has given us defenses. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome that God did not leave us defenseless against this? That we are not to live our lives uh, victims of the enemy's lies, but we are to live our lives as overcomers, as truth seekers, as people of the truth. You know, why do you think that Jesus came along and what did he say? I'm the way, I'm the what? Yeah, right? And I'm the life. And so I think that if Jesus came along and identified himself as the truth, then the truth must be pretty important. It must be pretty important. And so uh, what are some of the things that we can do? The first thing is this. It's so important that we put our feelings to the test. Put your feelings to the test. Right? A lot of times we don't test our feelings, do we? We feel the way that we feel, and we kind of let those feelings move us along. You know, like our feelings are the, the, the river that we drift along. And that's really not how we're to respond to our feelings. And you might feel like everyone around you thinks they're better than you, right? Anybody ever feel that? They all think they're better than you. And the only evidence that you have is that someone walked past you without saying hi. That's your evidence that everybody thinks they're better than you. Is somebody walked past you without saying hi. But your feelings are telling you a different story. We have to be willing to stop. And when we feel a feeling, that, and, and sometimes those feelings give us even like a physical pain. You know, rejection can feel like physical pain. And so when we're feeling a feeling, we have to stop and go, well, hold on a second. Let's test the rationality of that feeling. Is there evidence that everyone around me thinks that they're better than me? Or did somebody just walk past me and not say hi? Maybe they had a bad morning, right? Put your feelings to the test. You might feel like God loves others, but only tolerates you. But that's not what Scripture says. That's not what Scripture says. 2 Corinthians 11.4 says, You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one that we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. And so what Paul is saying here is like, you accept these things, but they're not true. You have to accept, right, what the gospel says. Because what the gospel says is the truth, not your feelings. Not your feelings. Feelings can really be foolings, right? Feelings are foolings, my friend from down south used to say. Okay? Put those feelings to the test because those feelings may be lies from the enemy. Put your feelings to the test. Do those thoughts, do they line up with the Jesus that you know of the gospel? 
Do those thoughts line up with God's word? Test the feelings, measure them against truth, <laughs> okay, and, and actual evidence, right? There are times when I'm feeling something and I'll have to ask myself, well, what evidence do I have? What evidence do I have that that feeling is true? What evidence do I have that th that thought that I'm having right now, that insecurity, that you know, self-defacing thought, what evidence do I have that those, are, those thoughts are true, that those feelings are true? And a lot of times, there is no evidence. A lot of times, the evidence is, you know, I, I watched a YouTube video that made me anxious. <laughs> you know? A lot of times, that's my evidence. And so, stop and put your feelings to the test. And the next thing is, when you're combating lies, use your outside voice. Use your outside voice. What do I mean by that? You're so, much, so many of the times, we think that the battle of our mind has to stay within our mind, and we don't speak the truth. And there's so much power when we speak things. When you have a thought that doesn't pass the test, say that thought out loud. Say it out loud. There's nothing wrong with just saying out loud, going, I'm feeling really insecure. I feel like everybody thinks they're better than me. Say that out loud. Why, why is that important that we say that out loud? It's because when we say it out loud, we let our brain hear the ridiculousness of it. When you say something out loud, sometimes your brain can go, yeah. Have you, have you ever, like, you know, said something out loud to someone, and then you found yourself saying, now that I hear myself saying it out loud, I hear how crazy that sounds. Yeah? Okay? It's important to say those things out loud. You put it to the test. You say it out loud. And then when we say, we say it out loud, then your brain can begin to sort of critically think on, you know, that feeling, on that thought. And, you know, then once you've spoken it out loud and you realize how just, you know, that's not really accurate, begin to speak some scripture over it. And speak that scripture out loud. Speak it out loud. Everything doesn't have to happen quietly in your head. I don't know where that came from, honestly. Like, somewhere along the line, like, that, like there, there became this sort of, like, uh, you know, the internal monologue doctrine. I'm not quite sure where that came from, but it's like, we, we just think everything happens to have quietly inside my head. And inside my head is where I deal with all my issues, and I sit, and I think quietly inside my head. But a lot of times, when we leave everything just, you know, inside of our heads, nothing really gets done. It actually starts to become kind of toxic. Let it out. Speak those things out loud and speak the word over yourself out loud. Out loud. Yeah. Wives, aren't you glad that your husbands say I love you out loud once in a while? Right? I remember like, you know, early days of marriage having this sort of discussion about saying I love you. And, you know, one of us might say, I haven't heard you say I love you in a long time. And the other person would go, yeah, but I've been thinking it. And, and, like, the person who hasn't heard it forever is like, <laughs> yeah, because that's the same, right? You know? And so we need to sometimes just get things out of our heads and get them out there and speak Scripture. Speak it out loud. When you don't think that you belong, you can speak First Peter 2.9. I'm a member of a royal priesthood. I'm a member of the royal priesthood. We say that out loud, and it brings encouragement. We encourage ourselves. Okay, uh, when you feel like sin is, is a permanent stain on you, you can speak Romans 8.1. I am free from condemnation. 
I'm free from condemnation. You can speak that over yourself. When you speak those things over yourself, it sets you free. When you think that you're powerless against the attacks of the enemy, you can speak Luke chapter 10, verse 19. I have been given spiritual authority. I'm not powerless because I have been given spiritual authority according to God's word. We're speaking the truth over ourselves. And when we do that, the power of those lies begin to diminish. And we can shrug them off, right? Use your outside voice to speak the truth over yourself. And then the last thing is, renew your mind regularly. Like, you know, mind renewal, according to scripture, right? That should be something that happens regularly. That shouldn't be something that we do once. We go, well, you know, I did that once. I, uh, I, I read that verse once. I said that prayer once. Uh, I, I went to church once. <laughs> you know, whatever. But God calls us to this life of consistent repetition, you know, of godly repetition. He calls us into, uh, uh, I, love, I love the term rhythms of grace, right? Of rhythms of life. And just like working out, you know, you don't go to the gym once and work out and then you're forever pumped. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like if you could just get the body you want once and then never have to work out again, that would be great. But even in our physical forms, we need to make that rhythms of our life, and we do that, you know, every day or a few times a week forever, right? And so the same thing with renewing our mind, it's something that we practice regularly. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Change the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Right? And so we go to the Word of God because the Word of God helps us to change the way that we think. And it's important to stay close to Jesus, surrender our thoughts to Him, and when we go to Him with a humble heart and just say to Him, Lord, I surrender my thoughts to You, change the way that I think so that my thoughts glorify You, show me where I've believed the enemy's lies, saturate my mind with the truth. You know, that should be something every day, every day, or most days, right? That's like the best workout advice I ever got. The guy goes, you should work out every day, or most days, <laughs> okay? Because we all know that sometimes it's just not realistic to work out every day, you know? But we could go, well, most days. Most days I'm in the Word. Most days. Um, I, I find that things that are really important to me, I try to do them before I get out of bed. I know that's, that, sound funny. that sounds funny. You're like, what? Uh, because sometimes... If I wait till after I get out of bed or after I'm ready, I realize, oh, I don't have enough time now and I've got to get off to this meeting or I've got to get off here and there. So I actually don't get out of bed until I've opened up my Bible. <laughs> and, so, uh, and it helps me to stay warm and cozy for an extra few minutes, right? You know, it's a cold winter day. Let's just turn on the light. Let's just get out the Bible. What a great excuse to stay in bed a little while longer. Don't bother me. I'm reading my Bible, right? And so I like to make sure the things that are really important to me, I do before I get out of bed. And uh, so you could just do that and just let God's word wash away the lies. Let God's word come along and, and wash over you and, and let that truth be in you. Because the thing is, it's really hard to know when you've been lied to if you don't know the truth. Right? It's really hard to know when you're walking in deception if you don't know the truth. And how are you going to know the truth if you're not in God's word? Otherwise, what you're doing is you're just expecting somebody else to tell you what they think God's word says. 
Or you might just be like, well, this is what Lee says. Well, hey, you know what? I might be wrong. What if I read that wrong? I mean, all I can really do, honestly, guys, at the end of the day, all I can do is read scripture and then come to you guys and go, this is what I think God is saying through this. That's it, right? That's, that's about it. So you need to be in the word, and you need to be teaching yourself, and you need to be teaching your kids, and you need to be reading and listening to what the Lord has to say. We can't depend on what your favorite podcast host says about God's word. We can't depend on what, you know, your favorite preacher. Those are all good things, and I'm glad that you all listen to me and listen to the preachers and listen to the podcast hosts. Uh, hosts. But you need to be listening and reading God's word for yourself and asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you and let it wash away the lies. Uh, one of the things that I love about living in the truth and just like the cookie dough, guess what? My life is better because I can eat cookie dough without that lie. I love you, Mom. I forgive you. But um, there's an animal called the African impala, which is sort of like a deer, right? An impala. They're named a car after it, you know? And it, the African impala can actually jump three times its height. Three times its height. That's huge. Okay? When you're talking about a six-foot-tall animal taking an 18-foot leap, I mean, that's massive. And the crazy thing about the impala is you can actually, uh, you can actually trap or, or keep or contain an impala with a fence that's only three feet high. Three feet high. They won't jump over it because they can't see on the other side of the fence. They can't see on the other side of the fence, so they won't jump over it. It's crazy. And so this impala that's just majestic, that can jump and leap and run, and this incredible animal can completely be held captive by a lie, by a lie. And we're a lot like that, guys. We're a lot like that impala. God has designed us for incredible, amazing things, right? In fact, Jesus has even said, look, you guys, all the stuff that I did, you'll do stuff that's even more amazing, even more amazing. We look at Jesus and we're all like, oh, if only, if only, you know, I could heal the way that Jesus did or teach the way that Jesus, if only. And Jesus, before he left, goes, you guys can do even greater things than I did. But we're held back by these little three feet lies that keep us from growing, excelling, expanding God's kingdom, doing amazing things. And, uh, and we're just held back by a lie. And so... The question is, is, you know, what's, what's the lie that's holding you captive today? What's the three-foot fence that's got you held back? What is it? What is it? And I want you just to imagine, you know, imagine life without that. Imagine what your life would look like if there was zero deception in operation. Imagine what your life would look like. And... You know, put those thoughts, put those feelings, put those lies, put those restraints to the test, right? Those feelings to the test. And use your outside voice, right? Speak them and then speak God's word over you. Renew your mind regularly. And so I'm going to pray. Wendy, if you want to come back. Um, and I just want to pray for you guys. Listen to the Holy Spirit for just a moment. Uh, why don't you just stand up with me for a minute and let me pray for you.
Holy Spirit, we pray, come. Come, Holy Spirit. I, I pray this morning that you would reveal to us the lies. Reveal to us those things that, um, those words that maybe we speak to ourselves, words that were spoken over us that were not true, words that have um, held us back. And you know what, if there is an area in your life, if there is an area of frustration, maybe there's an area where you keep hitting your head against, where you just can't seem to maybe get over that hurdle, And, and I want you just to examine those areas and ask yourself, what, what's the lie that's being told in those areas? Maybe it's a relationship area. Maybe it's a, a physical area. Maybe it's feelings of insecurity, feelings of rejection. But whatever that area is, that 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 point of frustration, that point of limitation, that point where it just seems like you hit a wall every time. Just ask yourself, what's the story you're telling yourself? What's, what is that narrative that's going through your mind? And, and how does that contradict what God says about you? God, deliver us from lies. Maybe just even speak it out and speak God's truth over that. Uh, we don't want to be people who walk in deception, who walk in lies. We want to be people that walk in truth because with the truth also comes the way and comes life. <laughs> and just speak truth. Just speak your spirit of truth over this place. Truth and freedom. Truth and freedom, God truth and freedom truth and freedom God oh Lord we praise you praise you praise you yeah well you just speak that over yourself truth and freedom in Jesus name truth and freedom in Jesus name I speak truth over myself I speak truth over those areas that just seem to you know, keep popping up, keep frustrating me, those walls that I keep hitting. I speak truth, truth and freedom, truth and freedom in Jesus' name, truth and freedom. Lord, come. Lord, come. Lord, come. We praise you, God. We praise you. I feel like maybe there's someone here that is uh, struggling with a lie about their future. Something about their future. Maybe it's, you know, future relationships. Maybe it's future career. Maybe it's just, you know, the lie that they're telling themselves is that, is that they're, you know, the rest of their life is destined for loneliness or the rest of their life is whatever. But there's a, 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 a deception about your future. I just want you to be set free from that this morning. I speak freedom over you. Freedom. I want to encourage you to get prayer this morning. 
God wants to touch you. He wants to set you free. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Praise you, God. We love you, Lord.